Welcome to episode 19 of the Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. This is the show where each week we read a stack of classic Moon Knight comics, then get together to talk about the characters, villains, and stories with an eye towards how these stories may connect to the Disney Plus Moon Knight show that is three weeks in. We're halfway through that. Uh, We'll also be discussing comic history, comic book reading, and other Moon Knight-related news. My name is Dwayne, and with me is my good buddy Dan. Dan, welcome back. Hey, good to talk to you again, Dwayne. I'm excited to talk about some comics this week. The Moon Knight TV show is leaning into Mark Spector's struggles with dissociative identity disorder, and this week's books by Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood, along with Jordi Belair and Corey Petit, are a deep dive into Mark Spector's childhood and the formation of Moon Knight's many DID alters. Uh, This is a fast-moving, dreamlike, and or possibly nightmarish story that finally addresses some of the issues of identity and mental illness that have been a part of the Moon Knight history since the beginning. So this was was a, a very important week, I think, with regards to the larger... Moon Knight, uh, the the MCU TV show. So, um, yep, absolutely. Look, so with that, let's talk about some Moon Knight news real quick before we jump into the stack of comics. So, we did have episode three release uh, last week. It is now available to stream on Disney Plus. If you want to hear our thoughts on the on the episode, please check out episode eighteen of the podcast. And you'll get our thoughts on that. Uh, there was a great article in Entertainment Magazine, uh, a, a short, a short uh, interview with May Kalamaui, uh, Layla from the TV show, on how she got her audition through Instagram, which I thought was actually oh. kind of interesting. So the the casting director. Uh, reached out uh, through Instagram and actually and actually asked about potentially getting a, uh, an audition and they got it all first she's like is this real which I, I you know totally yep. get that sure and, and then and then um, it, it it was and then there was a a really great uh, recounting of a story about Oscar Isaac helping her through a scene. When she was dealing with nerves, which I thought was definitely very, very sweet. Basically, um, she she's like, I can't do this scene right now. And she said, there's a lot going on. And he and uh, the quote says, we we walked through it. He walked through it with me like, OK, this is what's going on. And then you're seeing this and you're feeling this. And he completely directed me in that moment. It just came out so easily and it felt so nice and effortless. I thank him for that. Like, you're doing this incredibly intense scene and yet you took time to help me. It was very generous. So I, I really liked it. It's, it's a very short interview, just a handful of questions, but we would definitely recommend that just to kind of get some behind the scenes uh, with regards to the TV show. Cool. Everybody seems to love Oscar Isaac. <laughs> that stuff. that does seem. No to one be ever the... says anything bad about, you know, but what a disaster he is to put up with on set or anything. He's just yeah, universally beloved. So yes, so and and um, just as an aside, by the way, real quick, a, a friend of mine 
pointed me to the hippopotamus song that he sang on the Tonight Show to like his niece or something. And I have it's the no cutest, knowledge of this. It is the cutest thing you have ever seen. So if you have a few minutes, go on YouTube and look up Oscar Isaac hippopotamus song, and and yeah, you you'll 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 be happy you did. You'll probably be smiling by the end of it, I imagine. It's not so like other... a very Moon Knight sort of thing. To do. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It is very <laughs> not. But uh, one one other thing is we're we're now halfway through the series. So Esquire Online put together a list of the top ten MCU characters who might make a surprise cameo in Moon Knight. So we had some of these sort of articles before the show started, but now that we're halfway through, we're we're starting to see more of those again. Uh, just an expectation. Uh, they think Blade is the best or the most probable MCU character that that could see a um, cameo yeah. during during this uh, during this series. So there's some other ones in here: Spider Man, Valkyrie that that we've seen in the comics, Moon Knight interact with. But uh, this will uh, it'll be interesting to see if there actually is a cameo. I. I think there will be. It's just a question of who it will be and when. Yeah, they do seem to be not leaning into the MCU side of it, though. They're just sort of right. telling their own story, to where I'm. I'm no longer. I'm no longer really looking for or so concerned about all the cameos and the tie-ins. I just really want them to tell a good Moon Knight story, and that's sort of what they seem to have have set their sights on doing. So that uh, that will work just fine by me. But not that I don't want to see a few cameos. I would be fine with that. Sure, sure. <laughs> we will we will share some links to these stories in the show notes. But Dan, why don't you tell us about some of the things that are going on in paper for Moon Knight? Sure. We got basically just a couple of things. It's a pretty light week. Uh, Jed McKay just went out earlier, I think today, and noted that the whole paper shortage thing that we've been seeing is affecting Moon Knight uh, number 11 as well. So Moon Knight 11 will be delayed until May 25th. I think that's two, two weeks, maybe three weeks delay from when it was supposed to come out. So you're going to have to wait a little while longer for your fix on Moon Knight, which if you're, up, if you're up to date and saw the cliffhanger at the end of number 10, you know that's not going to be easy for us. But we, uh, we will wait through it, somehow survive. Other than that, there is some Moon Knight stuff that is available at the LCS if you'd like. Uh, last week we forgot to mention that Moon Knight Legacy reprint, uh, the reprint collection, actually dropped again, or dropped for the first time, just this last week. And so these are the books that we're going to be looking at next week. It's essentially uh, after these 14 comics, Marvel was in kind of a renumbering phase, and they went back to Legacy numbering, so they added up all of the Moon Knights that had previously been published under any number, and they added them all together and came up with 187 of them. And so the next issue of Moon Knight was 188. So we have 1 through 14, and then issue number 15 is issue 188. And so it's 188 through 200 are the ones that are in this collection. So if you wanted to get ahead on that one, go out, uh, pick up that collection, and uh, be ready for next week if you'd like. I totally had that as a question for next week. What is up with this weird numbering system? Yeah. Because they, even in Marvel Unlimited, it's got all of these books together, and it's just one through fourteen, and then 
bam, 188 is the next episode or next book right after 14, which completely threw me. It's a product of the fact that comic publishers have two related economic beliefs. One is that first issues sell way more than later ones, so they love to reboot series. But Mm -hmm. also that anniversary issues like 100 and 150 and 200 sell more issues. So they don't want to be too obvious and just, you know, go 199 issues and then rename it 200 for one book. So starting at 188, they start building up to issue 200 so they can have that issue and then kind of move on from there. But in this case, the legacy thing was a little bit more along the line, but DC and Marvel have both done this occasionally. Um, The other thing had a couple of folks note they liked the recommendations. So I don't have a recommendation kind of from the the regular marvel stuff so much this time but if you're interested in the gods and sort of avatars and and things of this nature there's a series my daughter and i read through called the mini deaths of lila star by ram v and fleep and raid that is really spectacular Uh, the tagline is humanity's on the verge of discovering immortality which means the avatar of death is out of a job or is she so death comes down and is essentially incarnated on earth and then events happen but really good series i think it's five issues uh self-contained well worth taking a look at if you're interested in in any of that sort of stuff so sounds very interesting it really is it's good stuff well let's jump into the stack for this week because we we have a lot to cover don't we yeah we don't want to waste too much time because this one is there's a lot we're only covering 14 books which means it's not really one of our larger piles of comics in terms of what we cover but man is there a lot going on in these books so um moon knight volume 8 number 1 through 14 we're going to have three separate stories in here uh moon knight uh Number one through five is the Welcome to New Egypt storyline. Number six through number nine is the Incarnation storyline. And number 10 through 14 is Death and Birth, which is what leads us off into the legacy books. So, these are all written by Lemire. And then he leaves at the end of issue 14, and we move into the Bemis run. So... This is kind of a self-contained set in some ways. This is sort of the story he wanted to tell. And again, sort of divided up into three parts. But very interesting books. There's a lot here. A lot that they've already sort of referenced, both in terms of sort of Easter eggy things. But more than that, I think, in terms of the overall context and kind of the feel of the character that's established in these books, you probably can see where there's an awful lot of thematic things going on that that really sort of resonate in the in the tv show so yeah there does there does feel this character in these books the mark specter in this character definitely feels very much like the characters that we're seeing portrayed in the tv show yep i think yep so normally we've been trying to make the summaries smaller so that we can not just be reading to all of you, dear listeners, and have more actual sort of conversation. But we're going to have to go through a little bit of monologuing here. I'm going to go through the um, 
sort of a little bit of each of the the stories of these these issues and then we'll talk about them but we do want to make sure that you get an idea of what's going on here and it's not a it's not a quick story to tell so ready to lead off here shall i uh, lead us into welcome to new egypt Dwayne? yes let's let's talk about welcome to new egypt all right like we said before jeff lemire greg smallwood jody belair on colors Corey petit on letters Mark Spector is a patient at a cuckoo's nest style mental hospital, and he's forgotten his life up to that point when we begin this series. He's being beaten and electroshocked by nurses named Bobby and Billy, and then meets up with Crawley, Merlene, Gina, and Frenchie, all of whom are patients in the same hospital he is. His therapist, Dr. Emmett, tells him and us that Moon Knight, Jake Lockley, and Stephen Grant are all fantasies, and that Spector has been in this institution since he was 12 years old. So Dwayne, that's our setup. This was an unexpected setup, right? It did, I was not expecting this to be where we started this run of books, but it, 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 it was very, it was very weird seeing Mark Spector there, but it felt even weirder to see the, the kind of the inner circle of Moon Knight also there and like Marlene is completely kind of almost in a comatose state Crowley seems to be the only one that's kind of more his normal self and and Gina and Frenchie were a little a little kind of off as well it just sort of everything felt off I guess yep. early on in this yep and it feels very much and, and Spectre even notes it like a like they don't really have hospitals like this anymore Right? It, right, it gets the feeling of of being more like what somebody who's watched too much television about mental health facilities would think of as a mental health facility, rather than an actual uh, modern place where someone would be. So, but yeah, it's interesting because we had no real like lead into this in the previous books. There's there's no indication when we left last week that somehow Mark Spector would have been arrested or committed or any any way would have ended up in a place like this so what it essentially tells us is that everything we've read for the last you know 18 weeks or whatever has all just been this dream and there actually isn't yep there actually is a moon knight out there but he's not it he's a kid who's watched moon knight and then done a bunch of drawings in his sketchbooks and made up all these characters and made up this this life essentially as Moon Knight and that he has dissociative identity disorder and that they're trying to treat him there and, and work with him. And that's Dr. Emmett has been his doctor for quite a long time. And that's, that's the story as we sit here. So any questions? <laughs> Never lots, mind. Let's just lots, go on. Lots, well, lots of questions. Let's get keep to that going later. though. Let's push. Uh, so Spectre then, First off, he tries to get away. He nearly escapes into a New York that is covered in sand. So he gets out on the top of the building, looks out, and New York essentially almost looks like some weird amalgam of uh, an Egyptian desert and New York, right? There's a big pyramid in the middle of it. You've got sand everywhere, but there's also still New York buildings there. Uh, this is, an, according to Conchu, due to an attempted takeover of the Earth by Seth. After Spectre is recaptured by the hospital staff, Contra then also explains that there's a war of the Egyptian gods coming, and he needs Spectre's help. 
Crawley comes up with an escape plan that involves them going into the subway and leads them down into the basement of the hospital, where Mr. Knight then has to fight off the staff, and Crawley gives his soul to Anibus in, or Anibus, in exchange for transportation to safety for Spectre, Gina, Frenchie, and Marlene. So they get away in a kind of this weird dream world that for a while it's a subway stop, and then suddenly when Anibus appears on this little floating platform that's kind of his, his underworld taxi service, they hop on that and then get away. So, and and so it was it was weird because he he gets to the roof the first time and like he's wrapped a like a sheet a bed sheet or something around his body and face to kind of almost mirror the Moon Knight uh, yep. out, outfit, and because of this, presumably uh, with the power of Conchu, could see what was going on in New York with all the sand and the pyramids and all this sort of thing. And, and then nope. he sees that, that, you know, Billy and Bobby are not human, but they're, you know, jackals, Jack. Yeah. Jackals, jackals servants. Was, essentially. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so that, that was really sort of, you know, if, if this was weird, it just took another step into the even weirder kind of aspect of things. And then, yeah, they immediately Crowley has another escape plan for them to go. And, and he's now dressed like Mr. Knight. Uh, he actually finds mm -hmm. like a mask or something and he's already wearing a white suit and it's, it's, yep. and it's, it's all very dreamlike. It's all very yeah. like disconnected. He keeps kind of waking up or he, keep, you know, essentially keeps getting knocked out and then appearing in new places where every time he goes through a door or finds a place, it's different than he'd think it would be. So it's very disorienting, both in the way that it's written and in the way that it's drawn. But so Anubis drops them off. Crawley has to stay with him because his soul has now been claimed as payment for, for that. They climb out of the sewers and into this new Egypt, this weird dreamlike New York that's got the, the sand and everything everywhere. And when they first do that, a cop comes up to them and sort of says, hey, it's raining really bad. What are you guys doing out here? And they're like, raining? There's sand everywhere. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Moon Knight somehow decides that this guy is one of the enemies, attacks him, and I think it, it looks almost like the cop bites Frenchie in some sort of alligator form. But I think in, in actual fact what's implied is the cop actually shoots him to try and defend himself. It looks like Frenchie then, and he ends up being killed, and Mark Vector and Gina then sort of run off, find her diner, which is still there, kind of amidst all the sand. She decides to wait for her sons to return. Marlene wakes up while they're there, and then her and Mr. Knight sort of decide that the place they have to go is the large pyramid. They take off towards that, only to be stopped as they get there by Moon Knight, who comes down from the pyramid and confronts them. So now we have Mr. Knight and we have Moon Knight essentially fighting each other. Um, Moon Knight essentially pretty easily beats up Mr. Knight, and then Marlene just decides to go away with him because he says essentially that he's the real Mark Spectre, that essentially I'm you before you lost your mind. Uh, Spectre gives chase for them, uh, and as he goes through doors, 
Uh, his setting and identity just keeps changing as he's going through the pyramid and going up. So he kind of ends up going into this reality where he's an astronaut, and then he ends up going through another door and he's a film producer, and then another door where he's a cabbie. Um, at the end of all of this, he actually sort of ends up somewhere in almost like a, a prison type area, and he finds Seth, who's been imprisoned, and essentially you get the idea that maybe Conchu hasn't been telling him all the truth because the guy who's supposedly taking over is a prisoner in Conchu's temple or whatever. Um, he then confronts the image of Moon Knight that had defeated him, and that Moon Knight takes off his uh, essentially cowl, and underneath it is a massive beak that would not fit under a Moon Knight cowl, in case you were wondering. <laughs> no. uh, it's actually Conchu in disguise, uh, he wants control of Spectre's body uh, and attempts to sort of convince him to give it to him. Spectre refuses and decides instead to take a jump off the pyramid, seemingly to his death. So this chapter of things ends, essentially, with him laying on the ground in a pool of blood, like bleeding out of his head, and then having one little coda where he's sort of laying in the same position in a nice bed, waking up in sunny California as Stephen Grant, the movie producer, with Marlene there to wake him up and tell him that they've got to get to work. And he kind of wanders out on the balcony and just has a nice smile and realizes it was all just a dream. So. Yeah. <laughs> this well, was. Welcome to New Egypt, Duane. This was confusing. This was. <laughs> I. I feel like this set of books, more than any other set of books that we've read, uh, I just found myself just perplexed by what I was reading and just the kind of going back and forth. And and, and what, what, what's weird is this was actually the, the, the most straight, almost the most straightforward set of our story arc of these three story arcs. It actually gets more chaotic and even more confusing in the next uh, arc that we're about to talk about. But well, yeah, because it builds this, on all of this. Yeah, yeah it just I I could not. I, I I had a really hard time because it just didn't. The, this felt so out of left field because of what we had read up to this point. Not being nothing led to this, as you said before. It just we just sort of showed up in this. Everything feels like it's in a dreamlike state. Nothing seems to be what it appears to be and it just i mean yeah we 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 actually find out that dr emmett in these books is actually amit who we're hearing about in the tv show and and, and she reveals herself in the in the subway there when when they're trying to get away and and that's and that's at why least in Billy his mind at least yeah in his mind yeah at least in his mind yes yeah but right, that that leads to the point. I just I don't know what's going on, and Excellent. so I don't know if who's if, if Doctor Emmett is an actual doctor or if it's an Egyptian god in disguise. I I am thoroughly perplexed. Don't you wish you could have waited a month between issues so that you also would never get any answers oh to this? No, I do not. I do not want because if you either. remember the fourteen issues that you read in the last week. Most of us had to wait a year and a half to get those. So you're just kind of wow. sitting there going, "Huh, I wonder if I'll ever know what's going on." Right? The uh, 
one of the arguments for reading comics and trades. But I, I'm, yeah. I'm a pamphlet guy, so I, I prefer to, to get them that way. But there are times. It can be very confusing. Um, I think this is an absolutely brilliant retelling, though. I love the start of this. Just because it does sort of dump us into an area that had never really been dealt with much. But there's always been that element of madness to Moon Knight. And at a certain point, Lemire just decided to take it kind of the other direction. Whereas, you know, if you if you look at some of our previous series we've dealt with, they sort of look at the Moon Knight sort of, of losing his touch with reality and then, you know, going out and being the violent vigilante and everything like that. It doesn't really deal with the actual inner workings of it at all. We just see sort of the outward extensions of it. And I love that this is a character that is so elastic that you can have something like the Houston run, which is just sort of this orgy of violence, and you can have this sort of deeply psychological weird story, and both of them are Moon Knight, right? Um... That said, it is really confusing. Now, there's a couple of interesting things. Do you notice Billy and Bobby? What specifically? Because they show up a bunch, and they're like I said, they, they appear as jackals when he's on the roof. And they just seem like the classic, to me, villain henchmen of the small-brained, big muscles. Yep. Do it, just do what I'm told sort of thing. And they keep popping up. Well, but they this. but they pop up in the television show. If you look at the two cops who come to his door, they're Billy and Bobby. Yeah, they were, weren't they? Which, which I mean, they're completely different, but it's it's yeah. yet another sort of nod to the fact that they're taking material from this, and shows sure. that you know, whereas they were Amit's henchmen before, and they're Amit's henchmen now. <laughs> Right, this, it's this, just this, a completely, no, completely different omelet. I'm, I'm, my head, boom, just, uh, just listen to the comics. Just let your working. insanity guide you, Dwayne. Let okay. your insanity guide you. Okay, so I'm trying. I'm I love trying. A, I love your note for this. Is none of this makes the smallest bit of sense. So yeah. Or maybe that's my note. I don't know. I think, could be. I think that was your note, but I, <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with that note. Good yeah. grief, it's. What I love about this, though, is, you know, first off, we get all of the characters back. We've been missing Gina and Marlene and sort of an act, active uh, Jean-Paul for a long time. Those characters have kind of been sidelined in the lot. So this is sort yeah. of that bringing the band back together thing as well, even though it's in a completely different context and everything. So anyways, those are the first five. There's a lot of craziness going on. And not really a lot is resolved. And we find that out, in fact, immediately upon starting the next series called Incarnations. So this one, we talk about the story starts with them filming on a Moonlight movie again, right? Uh, it devolves into a cab scene where Crawley is telling Lockley that he is actually still in the hospital and hasn't actually escaped at all, right? The scene then switches back to Stephen, who's confused, but still goes to a fundraiser that is coincidentally at the same hospital that he's just been trying to escape from in his other dreams, 
where it is noted he was once a patient. While he's there, he fires his director and ends up sort of walking through a door, ending up back in space as a character called Moon Knight One, who is a, a space, like an astronaut slash um, starfighter. Right. And just as he starts getting there, the space base, the moon base that he is protecting is invaded by Lupinar and his army of space werewolves who are told have taken over Earth and the rest of humanity has fled to the moon and now this is their last stand against Lupinar. So where all this came from, just don't worry about it. We, we don't want to think about that. But uh, I think the main thing is, you know, that his mind, there's been a lot of connections to werewolves. He's seen werewolves. So this is kind of a thing that's going on in his subconscious. And so we've seen and we've seen Lupinar too. Sure, Lupinar, he's been impaled. He's one of our yeah. impalees from back <laughs> in the day. The guy who uh he had the weird condition that made him kind of have that almost like wolf-like appearance on his face or something like that and he dressed all right. in in sort yeah, of he, he was like yeah, and he was crazy he, fancy he, clothes and yeah, wanted to, and he, yes. He, he challenged him to a sword fight if I remember right. Mhm. And then yes, indeed. lost the sword fight, and rather than rather than be apprehended, he basically threw himself on Moon Knight's sword, correct, impaling him. Yep, because it can never be Moon Knight's fault, but no, it, it just it just happens. Um, in any case, so yeah, we all this continues to happen. He keeps flipping between Mark, between Moon Knight One, between Lockley, between Grant. While he's doing this, in all these various nightmares and, and the like, he loses humanity's last refuge on the moon as Lupinar essentially defeats him and then bites him to turn him into a werewolf. He crashes the cab, killing Frenchie again. Frenchie's now died twice in the last two or three issues, uh, which probably, you know, psychologically means that he's a little bit feeling some guilt about the fact that he's continued to get his best friend wrecked over the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, he ends up getting arrested for the murder of Gina and all the customers in her diner because when he arrives at the diner, there's been like this horrific shooting and there's blood everywhere. Yeah. Um, so all this keeps weaving in and out of the filming of his Moon Knight movie, which he keeps going back to sort of in between all of these chaos and being arrested and being killed and everything else. Eventually, this all resolves where all the halters end up coming together, all of his different sort of people that, that comprise the, the, the Moon Knight system arrive together in New Egypt and sort of have a discussion where they fight a little bit and they reconcile and then the Moon Knight One halter sort of just disappears because he'd been relatively recently formed and, and evidently just went away. Uh, the rest of them sort of recede into the background and allow Mark Spector to actually sort of become whole, uh, realizing at that point that he's going to be the main sort of host and that the others will be available and will help him uh, as he's needing them and that his next task then is to kill off Conchu. So this, by the way, kind of reading up on this because... I think it's important to at least try and understand a little of how this actually works medically if, if we're going to be talking about this. What, what it appears that Lemire was showing here at the end is something that would be called integration or reintegration uh, in terms of DID. Uh, 
And it's something that some DID systems look for that, others prefer to remain separate, but it's one way that uh, essentially a lot of times uh, medical community and the like attempts to work towards this reintegration of all the personalities type of thing. So in any case, it's a lot going on. How about this? Did this make more sense, Dwayne? <laughs> no, no, this was, this was like turning the weird craziness up to about 12, I guess. It just, the, the, the switch from what we were seeing with this hospital and all that into just Stephen Grant is a tv slash movie producer again and and things are okay and he's just you know walking around with his actress girlfriend who who seems to be playing marlene and uh, we don't i don't know that we ever found out what her actual name is or anything like this but it's it was just it was so disorienting and and i'm sure that that was part of what was trying to be drived at but the the thing that, that, that stuck out to me is each time we had this shift from one altar to another, <laughs> the comic book had a completely different look. Had a completely different artist. Well, that, explain, that explains it. They actually, they actually brought in different people. So the, the artists on this were Wilfredo Torres, Francesco Francavilla, uh, and James Stoko, And each of them took one of the main personas and drew it so that really? you would you would essentially have all of these different people kind of working on this and what was cool about that is it it really did give you a completely different look and feel especially like Frank Avila when he comes on he's got almost like this crazy 1930s art deco sort of yes. almost like glossy everything looks kind of rain slicked and the like type of style it's a beautiful beautiful style for jake lockley yeah and i was gonna say he he that that lot the look of the lockley per altar and the things that that was going through were just amazing the 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 deep the rich colors i you know we talked about it before the recording it i went to an immersive van gogh exhibit here in in phoenix and they they so i got to see a lot of different van gogh and it actually kind of reminded me of that it just the 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 powerfully strong deep rich color choices that were used and it it it, it just it really added i think to to the kind of i guess gravity of what was going on and just or and as well as kind of the disorient Yep. disorienting nature of what was going on but Absolutely. each one of those styles looked great like the yep. the lupinar space wolves stuff looked really looked really cool too just it, but in a completely different way it literally felt like you were flipping a page and you were going from one comic book to another that's that's yes. how drastic a difference it was yep yeah and, and even like the moon knight one stuff has this very very detailed sort of, of hashed through kind of look, very light pen kind of thing going on that makes it look completely different, almost like something that would be uh, not necessarily anime, but almost like a European 
Mobius kind of style at some point type of thing. Really, really interesting, beautiful art. The other thing that I find strange is that there's three colorists on this because Francavilla and Stoko actually colored their own stuff as well. So you not only have the change in the art, but the color palette and the way that a color artist will work can also make a lot of change. So having one color artist might have made it seem less disjointed. So they decided to pull even that small protection for people away and just have these really be completely separate comic books in a lot of ways. So very the, cool. And this isn't just the, one issue. This goes through multiple issues. Yeah, it's that it, it's this entire four book arc that it is switching from one character to another but you talked about the the kind of that reintegration moment near the end i didn't see it coming and like literally all all of the altars just sort of walk through a door and on the other side of the door they're in the sandy sandy new york new egypt sort of thing and mark specter's there in the in the suit He's had this this white uh, band-aid over his nose for for this like entire run practically because he was yep. he was roughed up pretty bad while he was in the in the mental in the in the in the in the mental hospital there and and so he's like trying to talk to them and he's like no you guys you guys aren't real and and it was just it was weird because it's like we had these different looks and then they all ended up kind of in the same place and they all, I don't know how they got there, but yeah, you just sort of kind of confronts each of them and, and says, you know, you're not supposed to be here. Nope. And, and it just, it, that, that the last part of nine where that ends up happening and he's trying to convince them that no, this, you know, I'm the one that's supposed to be here. You're supposed to be just kind of part of me was really, really well done, I think. And, and really sort of was, I guess the culmination of this entire arc that I, I, I think, I think worked really well, actually. Yeah, that, it that didn't, page it didn't the... confuse it did not abate my confusion on it though <laughs> i will say that yep that's the one it's the last page of nine they the three other altars come through these sort of virtual doorways of the mind and he's he's waiting there essentially in in a mr knight costume sort of and he says hey fellas thanks for coming we need to talk and then his next issue group therapy so it's interesting that Smallwood, the only page he does in in the comic that he's supposed to be the guy drawing for like three issues is that last that last page. Because he draws the the main sort of storyline, and we've been kind of in this weird alternate storyline for two or three issues almost completely now. So yeah. Yeah. awesome. So everything is not cleared up completely yet though because again he's he's realizing that something's been going on people have been uh people have been messing with him country's been messing with him so i i did think though that this series this middle part was one of the more powerful stories we've had in a while in terms of it's it really is well written really well done so 
Next ones, we're going to head for the last series of these called Death and Birth. And this kind of gets a little bit more into Moon Knight's actual childhood and maybe starting to give us a little bit more of an idea of kind of where he came from and how some of the things that we were seeing in those dreams and the like may have actually been, you know, at least inspired in his mind by things that happened in, in his actual childhood. So we'll go ahead and take a look at those. Again, we got a, a little preface for you. So as a kid in Chicago, Mark Spector meets a new friend named Stephen and introduces him to his father, who can't see anyone there. Mark and his father see a doctor who diagnoses Mark with dissociative identity disorder. His father tells him he needs to go somewhere to get help. Mark doesn't want to leave home. Mark, though, is next seen as a young adult leaving the hospital to go to his father's funeral. He runs away rather than return to the institution, and later we see that he's joined the Marines. There, he wanders into a minefield while not knowing what he's doing and is dishonorably discharged after they look into his past and find out that he joined up without letting them know about, um, about who he really was. He runs away from the plane that's trying to return him to the United States and disappears into the desert. Mark then surfaces as a boxer and meets Frenchie, who proposes that they work together. In the last scene, Mark and Frenchie extract a drug kingpin uh, from a, like a fortified area, and when they bring him back, they're returning him actually to a shadowy figure that they find out is Bushman. So, gives us a little bit of history of the man. What uh, what did you think of this part? This was this was really really interesting. Like we're seeing kind of uh, these these were I guess events that we haven't really seen before. Definitely and, not. And, no. And so, uh, honestly, I, I, to this point, I'm not entirely sure what is real anymore. And so, like, I don't know <laughs> what to think of this whole, this whole setup. Like, it, it seems plausible as to the way things have happened, but at the same time. I, I don't know if any of this is real, so I don't know what to make of it. Like, so, so someone else out there can tell me if I'm wrong, but I believe you can you can take this as real. Okay. That this is actually a, a couple of issues that give us some history of who Mark Spector was as a kid growing up. You know, he, he grew up in a, a home with his, his father being a rabbi. It is interesting that his dad is a lot younger in these comics than right. he is in the in the books that we saw earlier. So that is a little bit interesting. Um, but I think that it looks like he was, in actual fact, first diagnosed relatively early, put into that institution probably about age 12, ended up staying there, did not like it, managed to escape joined up with the Marines under false pretenses, was dishonorably discharged. The reasons for that change as you move along. And then, rather than return to the United States, he somehow slipped away and ended up working as a life of, as a mercenary. 
So yeah, I mean, I mean the like the the timeline and the things that are happening sort of make sense and and kind of match the things that we've been told or the things that we understand to be kind of Moon Knight canon, right? Or Mark Spector mm-hmm. canon to the to this point. It just again because of what we had seen leading up to this, I just I was I was having a hard time discerning what what to make of it and whether or not it was real or not. Hold on, let's let's just check. I believe if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, see this is all drawn by Greg Smallwood. Greg Smallwood doesn't lie to you. It's it's, <laughs> okay. it's just that okay. it's just that that rotten Francavilla guy that keeps lying to mm. you. You don't mm. you don't have to worry okay. now. I, I do think though that everything I've seen is that this is background rather than anything imagination. And that's sure. even leading into the future. From my uh, understanding, this is one of the best pictures we get of Mark Spector's young past you know jewish kid in chicago um the only thing that's going to add to this is we're going to relatively soon start to actually see some of the trauma that actually causes these developments that right now there's still there's still more to the story but i don't think there's going to be anything that will make this story somehow invalidated it's it's all accurate there's just more to be told as we come through the next books here. So, gotcha. Okay. Because that is one of the other things that, you know, and a lot of the things we've been reading about dissociative identity disorder uh, is that it almost always, or maybe absolutely has to, be developed because of significant trauma that suffered during early life when someone's sort of conception of themselves as a singular identity has not yet completely solidified. And so because of that, there's breaks that occur, but they have to occur before a certain time in development or else when those traumas happen, they don't, it doesn't result in a dissociative identity break. It simply results in the trauma then staying with the the single person. And so, and obviously, you know, I am I am not a doctor, so I could well be wrong on, Many of those details, if any of you uh, are uh, are interested, though, there is a, a lot of literature out there. And actually, there's a lot of people in Moon Knight fandom who really do have a lot of knowledge on this sort of stuff. And also, I think, you know, folks who have dissociative identity disorder um, probably are drawn to the character. And, and because of that, there is a substantial representation uh, of folks who are dealing with this in the in the fandom as well. So it is something, if you're going to be a Moon Knight fan, probably pays to keep up on some of this sort of th- stuff. And I think definitely if you're a Moon Knight writer these days, it pays to keep up on this sort of stuff because you're going to get called out if, uh, if you're doing it wrong, which I suspect the TV show is probably going to get at least a few things wrong, but at least hopefully they're trying, which I guess is, is something. So... So there we go. We got to see um, we got to see Gina again, though, in the diner in New Egypt. She's still kind of hanging out, and she gives him pancakes, that sort of stuff. So 
he also asks her if she wants to leave her diner and follow him. And she says, no, I've got to wait, waiting for my sons, which is a little sad, considering we know one of her sons is never coming home, right? Because he actually, um, he died uh, in the military. So Mr. Knight then continues on. He searches out Anubis and bargains because he wants to get Crowley's soul back. Uh, he agrees to find something that Anubis has lost in the overvoid. Uh, but Anubis refuses to tell him what it is. He's like, you'll figure it out. You'll know it when you see it. Because gods are never helpful. Even when it's in their own interest. They just can't help but being like that. So Mark is then dropped into the overvoid and is immediately defeated in this bout of sort of insect jousting. He gets this big insect and hops on it and he's got a spear. But he is not talented at it. Ends up losing. He's imprisoned. So one of the other prisoners he finds is Anput. Uh, she is the wife of Anubis, and Mark is then sent to be sacrificed. But Moon Knight appears and saves them all. All the other altars also reappear, join in the fighting. Um, they bring Anput with them and save her. And Moon Knight 1 appears in this spaceship right in the middle of New Egypt. They all hop on, and he flies them away. They go back, return Anput to Anubis. Crawley is saved. And the altars all then cede control back to Mark Spector, creating a new agreement where they'll be there, but only surface when called upon. All right. So what did you think? Now we got it finished. Everybody's reintegrated. Everyone's home. We've saved Crawley. Well, the, the, there's, a, there's a big moment before the kind of all the altars cede control to Mark Spector, which is that they essentially kill crush the head of Kanshu. yes there there is a there is a set of panels that start with basically mark specter with his hands on each side of Kanshu's beaked bony head thing and he's like basically telling him off and then you see stephen grant same position Yep. hands and there's cracks going in the in the in the skull and then we see you know jake lockley i think as well and and, and it's even worse and then finally moon knight the actual moon knight avatar or altar actually crushes Kanshu's head and that that to me was kind of the coolest thing about these books is mm -hmm. We had we've had this dynamic of Kanshu and Mark Spector going back and forth, back and forth, and and in a lot of cases it feels like Kanshu is not happy with Spector and, and wants wants more from him, and and this was finally his opportunity to to basically tell him to sh tell him to shut up, I go away, yep. I don't want to don't want to deal with you anymore, and and he does it. And and that surprised me actually. I, I when push came to shove, when he says he's going to kill Kanchu, I didn't know if he'd actually be able to do it. And with the help of these other altars, he was able to do so. Yep. Absolutely. And that and that is big because you know there's there's that point at which I think that he starts to realize that that Kanchu is is using him. Either either Kanchu is this force that somehow or another is taking advantage of his illness or Khonshu is just a creation of his own mind that is sort of outlived its, its usefulness as a concept. 
And right. so, yeah. But here's the big question. So, I mean, the, you know, the early, the early childhood stuff, yeah. Other than that, how much of this do you think was real? And how much of this was just Mark Spector and his alters sort of having it out in his head to try and get all this sorted out? I honestly have no idea. Like, I I would like to believe that all of this was was real to some degree. Like, I, I don't know that, you know, actually having, you know, Seth make Egypt sort of invade New York and, and this War of the Gods thing happening and... and I don't know if that's necessarily real or the fact that he ended up in the overvoid and was in this like insect swarm thing going, you know, trying to fight for his life and and that. But like the like the kind of coming to terms with the different altars and the, you know, I guess finding out that the childhood and, and some of that lead up was real and then potentially the sticking it to Kanchu, I, I kind of hope is real. I, I, I don't know if it actually is, and it would seem surprising to me if it actually is real, but but <laughs> I kind of am rooting for Mark Spector that it is. So I think that the psychological results for the character are real, in that it's okay. sort of that first time he really gets a chance to deal with what's going on and to to kind of have his alters sort of work out a an environment that they can all live with together but you know as far as the rest of it like the last couple pages of the last book of the Lemire run says you know it's quiet for the first time in a long long time our mind is quiet and I I just let it wash over me I let it be quiet then doubt starts to creep in is this real? All I know for sure is the rain sure, or the rain feels real as it hits our face. Real enough anyway, and that's good enough for us. So, I mean, aside from the fact this sounds almost exactly like the end of Blade Runner, and we all know how that went, um, <laughs> there's, there is something about this that I, I think that Lemire really doesn't want us to think too much about it in terms of is it real, is it not real. I would say that a good part of what happened here had to have happened in his head. Because you had crashed cabs that didn't actually crash. You have Gina left in a sandy diner after being murdered. And you have none of these people are anywhere at the end and he's standing alone in his suit on a... On a building somewhere in New York. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it it seems like much of this is some sort of of sort of story going on in his head. Right? There's a few things probably that aren't, but really when you think about it, there's not a whole lot here that actually had impacts with other characters or other elements really where right. essentially all of this could just have been him sort of, you know, having, having a little bit too much pizza before he goes to bed and he's got some nightmares and this all happened. 
Because you've got all sorts of scenes where, even at the end, there's werewolf by night attacks, and he's got Scarlet and Bushman coming at him. There's just a lot of, a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense as anything other than it's just him in his head trying to work things out. I did, I, that makes more sense to me now. I guess the way that ended and kind of trying to understand what it was I've just read through these last 14 books that, yeah, it does sort of, I think in the grand scheme of things might have just been him dealing with his altars as he's on the rooftop one night in New York and, you know, is seeing things, is doing things and, and doesn't doesn't realize that all of this is is in his head versus things that are actually going on like he's experienced um you know in in previous volumes yep i i I did not get that i i i should have gotten that but i did not get that necessarily i don't know that you should have gotten that i'm not sure in any way that that's correct that is how i have chosen to come to terms with this particular series if if you decide it's all real and it makes sense for you then i have no compelling way to say that you're wrong it is it is a series though that this is one of the reasons why a while ago when we started looking at the books i didn't think there would be a whole lot from the lemire run that would be in the tv show show and it's because this is like a 300 level or a graduate level comic book series it is not a 100 level adapt this to introduce a character to a new audience of fans kind of series right whatever any of you do out there listeners do not give the lemire run to someone as an introduction to moon knight right because it will completely and utterly confuse them right and it might even throw them off like I'm not sure if this had been your introduction to the character, if you'd have been as interested. Maybe it would have just completely fascinated you, but I think there's also just as much of a chance that you would have gone, what the hell, and, and decided that you, want, you wanted to go and you know play some more Hearthstone and maybe be done with this comic experiment. So what do you think? If this had been your first Moon Knights, what do you think? It's hard to think back to that. But, you know, yeah, I probably would have had a much different reaction, if in all honesty. I, I, I like to think of myself as being relatively intelligent, and I like to think of myself as somebody that actually kind of enjoys the sort of psychological sort of um, storytelling, and, and and like likes that sort of like. I don't, I don't need action. If, if something is interesting, like just from a, you know, kind of mm-hmm. almost like a math problem in the head sort of situation uh, that, that I would enjoy it. But man, I, the things that like not knowing what's real and what's not, I think is something that at my core, I think is something that I have really hard times with when it comes to storytelling and with movies and tv shows and that because it just i am so almost i don't want to say that i'm just 
literal. I take things at face value, but at the same time, like when there's stories like this, I need those sort of guideposts, right? To kind mm -hmm. of help me to understand what it is that I'm dealing with and what, what I should expect going forward. And, and I had expectations of what I was expecting based on everything that we've read to this point. And, and yeah, I can't, I don't know what this is like with regards to that. And, and it, it, it probably has come across that way. I, I well, feel I, but I mean, I, I think that you do actually, cause you get that this is a guy who has a lot going on in his head. Right. right. And, and that's why I think that at this point, this is an earned series, right? We've spent now 30 or 40 years with Moon Knight, building him up as a character who's got all this sort of crazy stuff going on. And now you have somebody who spends the better part of a year just sort of getting into the mind of Moon Knight. And I, I would say that for folks who've been there, and, and you've now been there, right? You read all this. When you get a chance to think about it, it gives you the ability to sort of see a little bit of resolution and a bit of clarity on stuff that's always been cloudy. This is why also when people are talking about new comics for people, like getting someone into comics, a lot of them recommend like Watchmen or they recommend The Dark Knight Returns. And I kind of think this is in, this, in that style of this is a revisionist text. It takes a lot of the existing stuff we know about Moon Knight and then it uses that to build the story in a way that if you don't know about Moon Knight already, this makes even less sense. The fact that there's three guys and that you're even supposed to know they're all the same person at all, right. you know, none of that is explained. There's just this guy going through doors and then there's some other guy with a different name and a fake mustache wandering around crashing cabs. So it would be, it would be terrifyingly confusing yeah. if you didn't actually know who Moon Knight was, right? I really like these books. I think they yeah. are, they are difficult, but they are, they're really good. And, and I do think, you know, when, when Lemire talks about them even, um, or, or when Smallwood talks about them, you know, he, he talks about, thanks for joining us on an incredible and surreal journey through the mind of Mark Spector. So I don't know if that's what Lemire meant, but I think that when talking to his closest collaborator on it, that's kind of how Lemire evidently pitched it. So... Yeah, if you if you think of some of this as just a crazy but necessary dream that Mark Spector had and his his alters, then probably you're getting close. So what do you think as far as reading this? I, I'm assuming you're thinking that this is an important read and that we should read. Oh my the god. Whole run. Yes, absolutely. This and you can't read part of it. No. What what kind of what, what kind of madness would that be to just read like issue seven of this run? You'd have no idea what's going on. It's it's all right. or nothing on this. There's there's no right. question. Um But yeah, I, I think don't read it first though, is is just it. Make sure that you've given yourself to a chance to enjoy Moon Knight as you know, preferably the Sinkevich run. Mench Sinkevich back at the beginning. Just kind of get that that sort of fun adventure, standard superhero Moon Knight. Dig into some of the other ones and see some of the other versions that he's had over the years. 
and then this is something that just kind of comes in afterwards as you want to read it, but you maybe want to get a chance to enjoy the character before you see sort of how a lot of this stuff sort of starts falling out later on as, as it gets developed more. So I would, I would say I can see why you've been waiting for us to get to this series. Like th this is one of the like goalposts sort of, yeah, runs of books that that you've been talking about since the beginning, and and it yeah you don't read this, you you read this in its entirety. You can't read any portion of it, and I think what I've gotten out of this discussion more than anything is I need to read it again. Well, yeah, I've read it like nine read, times, like, and I still I, don't claim I, to understand it. <laughs> right, I I think that. I think that getting a second and third reading of this w would help me in a, in a lot of ways and now having some of the context of this discussion as well. But just coming into it cold, it, 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 this, this felt very daunting this week, this show, because I, I just did not get what was going on. Yeah. And again, I, I claim no actual knowledge, uh, but, but it does seem to me that in any case, this is a... It's a very challenging, but very, very important story. Also, just Lemire in general. I don't know if you've ever seen the the Netflix show called Sweet Tooth, but he's the writer of the comic book that that's based on. Just recently, he did a book called Sentient, which is about a bunch of kids whose parents all end up dying due to some malfunction, and they end up having to to run a spaceship and get themselves to safety. He does so many interesting, quirky sorts of stories that as a, as a writer, if, if Jeff Lemire has written something, I'll almost always give it a try. And so this again is one of those where you get a really great creator at the top of their game and they just sort of let him go and said, do something Moon Knight. And yeah. this is what we ended up with. So... So thoughts on, on any of this stuff making it into the show? We we talked a little bit about this actually already. Oh, so much. I mean, there's there's the little things, you know, the fact that we've got, like, Billy and Bobby, the fact that we've already seen some jackals running around trying to catch him, the fact that a lot of the sort of nightmarish switches where he goes from one place to another and, and in and out a door, Sort of the, mm -hmm. the switches where he wakes up someplace without a memory is almost similar to the moving through a door and suddenly he's someplace that he doesn't know how he got there and it's a completely yeah, new similar. situation. So they'll expand on this too, but really this kind of begins, and we've talked about phases of Moon Knight as being like all these different times where volume two, he starts out with a different costume and the, you know the, the priest's volume three, four, you get Resurrection War, all this other stuff. But really, I think there's three eras of Moon Knight. There's the classic Moon Knight of Mensch Sienkiewicz, who's just sort of a standard superhero with kind of a, you know, a penchant for disguise and, and a little bit of extra violence. You've got, and, and really a horror feel to it, to a certain extent, you know? Yep. You've got that second era that starts with Houston, where he becomes kind of that grim, dark superhero with the ultra-violent sort of nature to him. 
And then you now have this, where we kind of move into a more psychological era that that sort of, a lot more of it's introverted, but then there's also going to be a lot more that deals with Khonshu and dealing with some of the Egyptian themes and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's critical. But I do, I do think that the less they try to take from this run in the first series, the better off we'll maybe all be. Okay. Do you want to? Do you want to? I, th- I think that wraps up the discussion. Is there any other? We've got hours to go on this. We've got yeah. hours to go on this. Li- We're not. We, we literally we could. Begun. But but we probably um, should not keep. Fine. Uh, keep our listeners waiting too much longer. To we'll give everyone a break. In any yeah. case, I, I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to actually ask you. Now that we have been through to this stage again, we're kind of getting near the end, and I want to give you a time to think about this. So we'll do this and maybe, maybe revisit it again. In our, in our show notes here, I've listed three, six, nine, eleven, essentially, phases of Moon Knight. We've got the early days from, like, Werewolf by Night and the Defenders. We've got the Mensch and Kevich run. Volume 2's Fist of Conchu. The Mark Spector Moon Knights from the 90s, the Mensch Edwards Resurrection War series, the Mensch Teixeira High Strangeness or High Strangers series, the Houston Finch run from Volume 5, Vengeance of the Moon Knight with Hurwitz and Pena, Volume 6, we've got Bendis and Maleev, 7, we've got Elvis or Ellis, uh, Wood, and others, and then Volume 8 this week was Lemire Smallwood. What do you think are your favorite? two or three runs. Do you have, do you know which ones you kind of like best so far? Yeah, I think um, that the original first Mensch Sinkavich books are probably my favorite. And and I've thought about this a little bit over the course of the last few days as we've been kind of putting together the the notes and that. And it just, it set a, a great foundation that I think so many other people have, have taken a crack at and done really well with it. Yep. But I, it's, it's hard to imagine anything without that original, that original set of books. And so I, I feel like you have to, you, you have to list them as, as the kind of the top or the, or the, the starting point. And, and from there, I, I don't think it'll surprise anyone to, to know that, that Houston and Finch, Volume 5, was probably my second favorite. And, and it's more of a 1 and 1A one than it is a 1 and a 2. I, I, I just cannot speak highly enough about that Houston run and the, the, the um, art associated with the, the early issues of that. And then... Bendis, I I really liked that story. It just it made it made sense. It was interesting. It was fun, and and so I really liked it. And so the it's it's been, it's been some of the more recent stuff, but it it all starts with mentions and Kevich. I, I can't even begin to disagree with you because I think those are, those just remain some of my favorite comic books of all time. So mentions and Kevich is the, the top 
that that era, the the Hulk books, and then through those first thirty, are they they sort of set the tone, and they're still my favorites. Mm-hmm. I think Lemire Smallwood altogether is my second favorite, and then I probably would go with with Houston Finch. It's it's the ones that that essentially define the eras for me that are the ones that I like, the ones that kind of took that big swing, made a big change to the character, and made something that stuck to where other people kind of worked with it. Because some other people took big swings as well, but didn't necessarily redefine things uh, in the way that these guys did. So... I, that, I I think I think that I like I liked the character with Mentions and Kevich, and I started to love the character once we got to Houston and Finch, and and so it was that kind of transition, and 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 the the Bendis thing I think really sort of kind of puts the oh I I think it it kind of just solidified it more than anything else it wasn't so much that it it like it was a good it was just this really great follow-up that that sort of made me like okay if i had any doubt that i was in i'm in now this this is it it is we're we're hook line sinker very cool yeah i can i can see that so it's it's interesting too because i think when i first started looking at this and I'd been thinking about it, I'd considered that there were actually a number of times where Moon Knight really had lows. But in actual fact, when you go back, as we've been reading through them and really thinking about them, there's not a lot of bad Moon Knight runs out there, really. He's he's not a character that's been used well in, like, the other, you know, the West Coast Avengers and some of the things where he's not the star. But right. overall, when you look at this list of, of sort of phases, some pretty solid group of comic books actually so but Mensch and Kevich are the king we will we will agree with that so yes and Sinkevich by the way has been posting I don't know if you've got his Twitter as something you follow just spectacular art upon spectacular art about Moon Knight lately so he's got all sorts of stuff out there even now that he's doing on Moon Knight that's just amazing let's jump into the listener mail for this week all right sounds good we actually had a couple of folks um, write in with some some nice comments and a couple questions. First one we got actually was from Buddy, who is a, uh, among other things, he's a Moon Knight fan. So he's a collector not only of Moon Knight, but all of the sort of other appearances of Moon Knight and stuff. He's wondering about ways to find appearances of some of those characters. And in the show notes, I'm going to put the place where we went to find most of our information about appearances and the like. Uh, or that involve Moon Knight, there's a Moon Knight comic book chronology pop, uh, project Excel sheet that I've linked to. And then other than that, Marvel Fandom, just under Moon Knight, has a list of a lot of the characters from some of the alternate universes and the like. It does have uh, Moon Knight as one of them. So that would be where I'd go to find some of that stuff. Uh, so if any of you are looking for that, um, there are a number of places out there if you want to get the, the complete uh, appearances. Um, the other one we got, we got an email from Mo, had some nice comments about the podcast, uh, and a bit of history also on his own collecting. Uh, seems like he's been around for quite a long time as well, but had been more of, like, reading a lot more of the Batman stuff, maybe came to, came to Moon Knight more through Mensch and some of the other writers that were writing on the, uh, 
the Batman side and also did Moon Knight. Um, but glad to hear our discussions, sort of have him going back and reading some of that early stuff, which he hadn't sought out before. Um, he also asked if we were looking at doing any stories from other publishers or if we were planning on sticking with Marvel. And that's something we've talked about. Yeah. One, of, one of the interesting things is, you guys might not know, but geographically, we are 2,000 miles or 1,500 miles, something like that apart, and one of us has all of the physical comics. So <laughs> it makes it a little that, difficult. That wouldn't be me. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it a little difficult if we don't actually uh, have, have digital access. And so Marvel Unlimited has actually been really nice for a lot of this. They haven't had all of it, but uh, DC right now is kind of a train wreck as far as their digital access and a lot of the third-party um, publishers are as well. But it certainly is something we'd think of. I would love to do more on the third-party, uh, like the independent publishers and the like, because that's really where most of the stuff I've been reading for the last decade or so has been. So, um, and then no, also... Nothing is, nothing is off the table as to where what we might discuss next once we finish our run of, of Moon Knight. But, yeah, there are definitely... Mar Marvel does make it easier for, for us to do this. That that also segues in, by the way. Mo mentioned that uh, you had actually been guesting, doing a, doing a little bit of Moon Knight discussion over on another podcast. Do you want to kind of uh, let folks know what you were up to over there? Yes. So I was on the Geek Confidential podcast. Uh, Luke, the host, asked me to join him to talk about the first episode of Moon Knight when, when it came out a couple weeks back and and kind of helped bring him and, and some of those listeners up to speed as to who Moon Knight was, who Kanshu was, and, and and some of the stuff we saw in that first episode, which which feels like a millennia ago now. <laughs> now, that, now, now that we do that. So uh they're they're on twitter we link to it um from the twitter our twitter phases of mk and so if you want to reach back in there a little bit or we could put it into the show notes the a link to the episode but he talks about different geek stuff each and every week and um it was it was very nice to to kind of be considered an expert when it came to moon night for somebody uh talking talking about the show I, I could not be happy. The student has become the master. This is everything I had. This is everything I had dreamed. So very cool, very cool. Um, but yeah, so if you folks haven't already, go and check out Dwayne over on uh, on the other podcast. We'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Let's head you over there so you can see what he was up to. Um, what else we got? Anything before, or are we ready for signing off? Talking about next week. Yeah, let's let's look ahead and tell tell us what's in the stack for next week. Same exact series, just with a completely different numbering. We're just going from fourteen to one eighty-eight, like we talked about. Uh, it's going to be Max Bemis and Jason Burroughs, and thirteen books, taking us Moon Knight Legacy from one eighty-eight to two hundred, and then preparing us for really just one more step and then we're up to the current series we got some avengers stuff where yeah conchu has been a bad boy you'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll, okay. you'll, you'll find out but uh but so yeah next week is a uh, moon knight legacy sounds good we'd like to thank you for joining us 
for another week of the Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. We'd love for you to stick around as we continue this journey through the story of Moon Knight. We recommend you subscribe to the podcast in your podcast player of choice so you'll get each new episode as soon as it's released. If you're already subscribed, please consider leaving us a review. It'll help others find the podcast. You can send us questions or feedback to the show via email. That email address is questions at phasesofthemoonnight.com. And for updates on the show, as well as other announcements or to interact with us on social media, you can do so on Twitter. We are at phasesofmk. All right. I got to read these books again. I think that's what what I got out of this. Yep. And and as we'd suspected, I could not be trusted to get this done in a reasonable amount of time because there was too much I wanted to talk about. So I apologize to you and all our listeners for the fact that we are now running on an hour and 25 minutes or something like this. It's all my fault. <laughs> Until... Until Friday when we get together and talk about episode four, take care, everybody. All right. Take care, folks. See you soon.